0: Hi and welcome to Three Worlds Podcast number fourteen, the second part of the uh, set of podcasts around the medicine wheel, and this is take two. I recorded this a few days ago, and uh, having spoken for about an hour and a half, discovered that it hadn't recorded. (laughs) Fate is cruel. (laughs) So here we go with the second part of the podcast. So. Recapping what we did last time, and I haven't put the uh, the handout up yet because it dawned on me when I went to do it that there would be hardly anything on it because uh, I only covered a little bit of the ground last time. So I will do a complete handout for all of it, probably at the end of this podcast, I would think. So to recap, we put a cloth down in the middle of our circle last time and... Ah, uh, The cloth had five candles, one for the south, one for the north, one for the west, one for the east, and one for the centre. And in the south, I put a cedar cone, because the south represents water, and it represents plants, and on a human level, it represents our emotions, and it represents the past. In the west, I put a stone down because it's the place of the stone people. It's the place of our human body and its time is the present moment. In the north, I placed a magpie wing because north is the place of the animals And it is also the place of air. And it is the place of the human mind. And its uh, time is the future, because that's where we are when we're thinking. Okay, and having thought about the next bit, in the future, here it arrives, and the east, I placed a Buddha, because the east is the place of fire. It is the place of the human people. It is the place of, on a human level, our spirituality and our sexuality, our creativity, our passion, our fire. And the time is no time at all, is across all times. You know, when I'm painting, sometimes I'm a painter and painting is a strange thing for me, because I go into the past a lot. Um, It's hard to describe that, but I can be sitting and painting, and it's like my head switches off, and I don't even try to, but I just start to think about things that have happened in the past, and it becomes so real sometimes while I'm painting, I could almost step into it, It's like I can sense it there. It's so tangible. That is an expression of the East Place. And when you're really, really creative about something, time flies because, you know, you're having fun. And that's also an expression of the East Place. So it's across time. In the centre, in our recap, is the element of space uh ether spirit if you like on a human level it's the place of our soul like I said last time I'm not my body I'm not my emotions I'm not my thought I'm not my creativity and spirituality I am my soul my essence my very center and we all are so we always are at the center so there you go there's a recap of the entire last podcast um I suggest if you haven't heard it, you go back and listen to episode 13. Give it a listen to. um, But that was just a recap for those of you that have. Okay, so I'm going to add some more things to the medicine wheel here. And I'm going to concentrate more on the human level. The human level, okay, of mind, body, emotion and spirit. I'll tell you before I do that, though. Um, I want to, uh, I want to talk about colors because, uh, for me, it's a nice way of visualizing the four directions. So, uh, colors. Now the colors vary depending on the traditions that you're working with. These are the colors that I have been taught for this particular set of medicine wheel teachings. And these are the colors in the South. It's the color red in the West. It's the color black. In the north, it's the colour white. In the east, it's the colour yellow. And my teachers have said those are the four races of people too. The red people, the black people, the white people, the yellow people. We all of us sit on a wheel. Those four colours, there's no great mystery about them. I'm sure you could think of uh, ways to explain why yellow is in the east and white is in the north whatever yeah there are reasons for those things but in a way i don't think that's that important and the other thing about the colors is that they're easily available colors that's why they were chosen historically purple is a really difficult color to find in nature So is blue, so is green. I'm talking about pigments here. Okay, the sky is blue, but you try and find a pigment that you can make into a paint that's blue, it's hard. Same with green. They exist, of course they exist, but they are very expensive. That's why ultramarine is such an expensive pigment. Ultramarine in medieval times was worth more than gold because it was such a precious, precious color blue terribly difficult to get so yellow ochre red ochre soot and chalk they're dead easy to get you've got those four colors that's why cultures across the world have those four colors in different orders different places different connotations but they have those four colors because they are available it's a great mystery to it spirituality is practical it's pragmatic um one of my teachers sunbear said he had a lovely saying um (laughs) i have some nice memories of sunbear but anyway one of his sayings is if your philosophy doesn't grow corn i don't want to know about it so i hope that you will find that the medicine wheel grows corn and uh yeah, it's a practical stuff. You know, life is practical. <laughs> I'll tell you a story about Sun Bear. I saw him come up to a vicar once, a nice English vicar wearing a dog collar and a tweed jacket—typical vicar. Sun Bear was a huge guy. He was sort of tall and wide, and there was this very archetypal kind of vicar standing there in a pub, actually. And um, he walked up and he came across to this vicar and he. Grabbed him and gave him a big hug, and he said, Oh, brother, I see we're in the same line of business. <laughs> That's one of my memories of Sunbear. Blessing Sunbear, you were a good teacher. All right, so we're moving on. This is a wheel that uh, isn't from Sunbear. Uh, Sunbear did have a medicine wheel, but I could never get on with that one. So this is a different tradition. Anyway, okay going to start in the south Uh, and i'm going to talk about bits to do with humans this is a path of power now there's funny connotations around power some people are kind of comfortable with it some people are really hungry for it and they want it precious they want power well there's two sorts of power this is from one of my other teachers, Jonathan Horwitz, who teaches that there are two sorts of power. And I completely agree with this. He is American, uh, but he lives in Holland. And uh, so he uses bits of European languages. This is Dutch. And I guess it's also German as well. And they have two words for power. The first is Kraft, as in a craftsperson. And the second is Macht, as in Wehrmacht, the army. Macht is might. Kraft is craft. They're both expressions of power. Macht is when you put your will out over something or somebody else. That's a no-no power. Kraft is when you work with that person or that thing. And you create something bigger and better through it, with it, by having its help. Kraft and Macht, very important. We just tend to think of the word power. Uh, That's kind of a mixed, mixed connotation. This path is also called the warrior's path. And warriorship is about fighting the enemies within yourself and being a warrior in that way it's the way of craft if you want to fight the enemies outside of yourself then i would suggest that that is the soldier's path and it's to do with macht. now you can go along that path if you want some people are called for it but i personally don't find it that comfortable and uh, i don't think it's that healthy And I certainly look around the planet now and see a lot of the things that have happened are to do with Macht and soldiery. I prefer to be a warrior. At least that's my aim. I'm not a very good one, but that's where I've got my compass pointed. So if you want to be a warrior, you've got enemies. And those enemies are inside yourself. And the first enemy any path of power is fear is your fear is your fear of mostly your emotions not fitting in with other people what are you going to do if you're different to everybody in your peer group so fear is the enemy that sits in the south because it's the first enemy that a warrior has to face we are all scared Life is a difficult thing. It hurts if you get ostracized from your peer group, especially as a little kid, when you're vulnerable and you're needing approval. And so we learn to conform. We learn to fit in. We learn to do the right thing so that we stay safe and we stay in our molds. I have a counselor friend who talks about gingerbread cutters. Um... She talks about everybody having a gingerbread cutter down on them like they were made of dough, right? Gingerbread dough. And gradually in childhood, they have gingerbread cutters, which make little um, gingerbread men or gingerbread women. okay? and that's their shape. And gradually they learn to actually pull the cutters down on themselves to cut off anything that kind of leaks out so that they maintain a nice shape. And if they start to spread their dough outside of their nice, normal, conventional shape, it is scary. And I'll tell you what, it's even scarier for all the people around them because they will clamp that gingerbread cutter down on that little dough person like crazy. You start to change and you're in a relationship, it'll be fun. <laughs> You start to change and you're at work. You start to change full stop if there's other people around you because other people like you to be predictable. So that's the place of fear. We all have fears. We have fears of expressing our feelings. We have fears of doing things that are unexpected of us. We have fears of going inside ourselves, learning about ourselves. We all have different fears but we all have fears and the south is the place of our child because that's where the child comes from. That's where all those fears are formed way way back. So the first job is to face our fears. Now there's two sorts of fears of course. If you're standing on the top of a cliff and it's really windy and you're very very much in danger of falling off you're going to be frightened and that is a rational everyday common garden appropriate fear if you are having to do a talk and you're not very comfortable about it because people might laugh at you that is a different sort of fear And in those fears, I would say steer for the fear. I don't always do it. And I'm sure you don't always do it. But it's a good policy to have. Steer for the fear. Because in the fear is growth. It's like we live our life in little boxes. And um, if you think of the, uh, do you know Russian dolls? Where you have a little doll inside a slightly bigger doll inside a slightly bigger doll. I think people and life are a bit like that. You kind of, you end up... Well, you live your life as this little doll and eventually you pluck up courage and you kind of move up a size. It's like you're in in a box and you kick down the walls of the box and you find there's a bigger box and you live your life in that one and you keep going and you kick down those walls and those walls, going into bigger boxes, bigger dolls. I'm kind of mixing metaphors here. But you get the picture, I'm sure. So gradually your life expands. All the time it expands. And you have to do that through learning, through experiencing, and through growing. Lots of ways to grow. So that is the fear. That is the enemy of the South. Fear is the enemy of the South. So, okay, we're going to go across the wheel now to the North. The enemy of the North is a closed mind. Remember, the mind is a great place to learn from, it's a place for you to take in the facts, but we think we know it, yawn, yawn, yeah, 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 I don't need to listen to you, I know the truth, you're a wanker, okay, we've all been there, we all do it, close mine. Sometimes I'll read a book, you know, about shamanism or about something else and there'll be a long, boring paragraph because I think I know that subject and I just skip over it. Okay, sometimes there is nothing in that paragraph that I don't already know, but very often hiding in there is a little gem, something that I didn't know, and maybe that'll open my world a little bit. We close our minds. So the first enemy is fear. The second enemy is I don't want to know cozy life come on close your mind have a cozy life don't look at your fears don't look at your feelings be a zombie world like zombies we're conditioned to be zombies we have zombie factories they're called schools not all schools but a lot of them okay don't be a zombie think about things be mindful be aware look at what's happening and learn from it take in stuff don't have a closed mind second enemy okay so we move through that enemy hopefully learning because that takes us to the third enemy third enemy is in the west and this is a really important one. Third enemy is power and i guess it's the sort of power that is macht, and it comes up if we haven't dealt with our south stuff we all have difficult childhoods. Some of us have difficult, more difficult than other people. That's the nature of life. Life's a classroom. And sometimes classrooms stink. But we learn. And we have our feelings. And hopefully we deal with our feelings. And then by the time that we've got an open mind and we've learned all this stuff and we move into the West, we're no longer wanting to do it back to the world, basically. So we learn about power and we start to be able to use the power for ourselves instead of putting power out over other people because we're scared. If people are scared and they get to a position of power, they're going to want to make the world safe. They're going to want to make the world more comfortable for them. So they're going to put their power out on other people to control the situation. We're all control freaks, but some people are more so. And if some people get a lot of power, Heaven help those people around them. So the West is the enemy of power. And that's why it's important to deal with your South stuff. All of these teachings start from the South. South's really important. Okay, fourth enemy is across the wheel from the West. It's the enemy of the East, it is the enemy that is to do with fire. And spirituality and sexuality, and all of those things that kind of get a little bit passionate. <gasps> Sorry, I used the P word. I shouldn't do that. I'm British. British people don't have passion. <laughs> we have a standing joke about Europeans in Britain. Europeans are terribly, terribly passionate. They have their feelings all over the place, and it's so untidy. Damn it, we're British. We don't have feelings so (laughs) so enemy in the east is the enemy of mm, illusion fantasy flammableness craziness it's the place where we go into our passion too much we lose touch with reality it expresses itself in lots of ways but it's the sort of place of the sort of off the planet guru if you like People who are so spiritual, they're no earthly good. So, that in essence is the enemy of the East. It's a kind of slightly harder one to to grasp, but basically, it's unreality. And of course, if you haven't dealt with your South stuff, and you've learnt a lot of wisdom and knowledge—well, not exactly wisdom; it's just knowledge, really—in the North, and you've gained lots of power in the East, in the West. Sorry then you are going to be a very powerful, charismatic guru type in the East because you'll have learned an awful lot of power, but you're going to be very out of balance. So you can imagine what somebody is like that's like that. They're in the East. They've got all this power, all this knowledge, but they haven't dealt with their South stuff. And it just escalates. It builds and it builds and they get more and more out of balance. And, uh, Well, quite frankly, I'd rather be around somebody in the West that hadn't dealt with their stuff than around somebody in the East. In one of the Medicine Wheel teachings, the East is a tyrant's place. It's the place of the psychopath. It's the place of the person with dead eyes. The person that is so disconnected from spirit in their own fantasy world that they won't hesitate to just kill you. That's one of the tyrant teachings east is a very powerful place if you've got all the way around the medicine wheel unbalanced and you get to the east you're going to be really not nice to know so those are the enemies now there's another bit to that these are qualities of the directions the quality of the south is giving plants sit in the south plants are considered to be givers they give away things eat them you don't get too many triffids that kind of hunt down gazelles and kill them in a corner and devour them there's one or two there's some round in the welsh mountains but you learn as a small kid to avoid those plants are givers our feelings are in the south ideally we give with our feeling. We have a feeling, we share it. We don't have a tirade in the middle of the high street and a paddy like a three-year-old, but we give our feelings. We let our waters flow. We let our energy flow. That's important. So that's the south. Cross the wheel to the north. A place of receiving. Animals are said to be receivers. Many medicine people will not do healing around people if there are animals in the room, Mm. because the animals will take the healing energy, take the direction of the ceremony instead of the person. Animals are receivers. It's the place of our mind. So our mind receives. We receive knowledge, facts, information. Mind is a wonderful computer. Of course, the mind gets terribly contaminated by our feelings sometimes. I trained before all this shamanic stuff as a psychotherapist. And uh, I trained in a form of psychotherapy called transactional analysis. Now, I don't know. I don't want to go into a huge amount about TA because it's, it's, it's a vast subject, but it's got a lot of uses and kind of relates itself to medicine wheel. TA, you draw a person by three circles. First circle at the bottom is the feelings. It's called the child. Second circle is the adult. It's our thinking part. Third circle is our uh, parent. And you have these three circles, one above the other. Child, adult, parent. And what happens in psychopathology, and uh, that's a long word, isn't it? I like that word, psychopathology. (laughs) I haven't used that word for a long time. Um, when, When you're working with a client... Very often they will have what's called contaminated thinking and they would draw this by, or you would draw this as a way of of describing it by having the south circle, the child circle if you like, the bottom circle, overlapped with the adult circle. So their thinking isn't clear. Their thinking is contaminated by all their child feelings coming into it yeah can you see how that would work and that happens an awful lot with everybody the south place kind of leaks and it affects our thinking it's very important not to have that happen and gradually as you go through life and you do this sort of medicine wheel stuff and you do whatever practice you do and maybe you go to see a counselor and all that sort of stuff and you just learn gradually that your thinking doesn't have to be contaminated by your child by your south by your emotions. So, ideally, the North is just a place of receiving pure facts. Now, get yourself a stone, put it in the freezer, overnight, take it out the next day, and pop it down the back of your shirt. It's cold, isn't it? That's because stones hold the cold. Or, put a stone in some nice warm water and then get somebody to place it on your back and it'll be nice and warm. That's because stones hold heat. And that's the quality of the West. It's holding. I always start to think of it in terms of a person as it's a place of gestating. It's like we have a moment of pause before we kind of well, it's like we've weighed up the facts in the North. We've kind of taken in that information and then we kind of gestate it. It's a digestion place. And we just sort of wait for a moment or two to let it settle and see what we want to do. And then the quality in the East is determining, acting. So we move from the West to the East and we act. We actually make that action happen in the world. The East Is the place of humans. Humans are determiners. We shape the planet. We pollute the skies. We foul the oceans. We cut down the forests. We are determiners. We act. We create. And we destroy. Two faces of the same coin. So, that in essence is... A little bit of living. I drop a hammer on my foot. Ouch. I'm frightened. I'm frightened of the damage that I've done. Oh, my God. I move to the north. I take in the facts. I look at my foot. It's not gushing with blood. There looks like I have bruised a bit of the toenail. Ow, it's not going to be comfortable. Mm, what am I going to do with this? I move to the west. Um, Okay, I just state the thing. What do I do here? Okay, I kind of know what to do. I go to the east. I go and I just clean up my foot, make sure it's all all right, and I rub something like some comfrey balm or something like that on it that's going to help with the bruising and maybe bandage it if it needs it or if it's really serious, I'd go and get help. That's the action. That's a little bit of life. Feelings in the south, taking the facts in the north, hold gestate get a pause sense of what i need to do in the west and then do it in the east and then that's a clear path back to the south again for another little bit of life and we keep doing that hopefully a healthy person has this little circular sort of figure of eight type movement happening all the time feelings think about it pause take a moment to work out what you need to do do it then the next bit of life comes along and you feel about that and then take in the facts and then hold it and then act that's life if you look at it as a symbol it's the infinity symbol a figure of eight on its side because life is infinite in that way we live our life in that good way but actually that's the wrong way to live because if you're born into a nice western society and i guess you probably are if you're listening to this podcast you can't live your life like that. You're wicked and selfish if you do that. To actually give your feelings, receive from the North and hold in the West and act in the East, that is so wrong. Naughty you, slap wrists. What you should do to be a nice proper civilized human being especially in a nice western country like britain is that you should hold your feelings we don't want any of those nasty things seeping out thank you very much you give with your body you work really hard you do lots of things for lots of people if you give with your body you'll be a really nice person You'll always be available. People will be able to depend on you and put lots and lots of weight on you and you'll carry it because you like to give with your body. That's the way it is. Isn't that good? What a nice person you are. Here, have another brick. Have another cardboard box to carry. Ah, what a nice person. They're always so predictable and willing to help. That's the west place. The north place? Well instead of receiving information, then you you act there, you determine there, you make up your mind and you act from your head. You ignore your feelings, you work hard with your body, you act from your head without actually sort of really feeling about it or anything like that. And then if you do all of that, you're going to receive in the East. You're going to receive from spirit, from daddy, from mummy, from God, from the goddess, because you've been such a nice person. You haven't had any of those uncomfortable feelings and made people feel uncomfortable around you. You've worked ever so hard. You've been so in your head and known what to do about it that spirit will reward you and you'll go to heaven. That's the Western way. It's not the medicine way. It's the Western way. The medicine way is that you give your feelings in the South, you let your waters flow, you receive the information in the North, you gestate it, you hold it in the West, and then you act in the East in a spirited way. Very different to the way that most of us were brought up. Okay, now if I'm kind of teaching with people in a circle, rather than a virtual circle what I tend to do at this point is I tend to pick up a drum and now I'm not going to play it I'm going to play with it I hold the drumstick vertically on the ground sticking up in the air like a kind of toy tower and I balance the drum on top of it in the center of the drum So the drumstick is in the centre of the drum. It's a bit hard to imagine, perhaps. Think of a stick stuck in the ground and balance a plate on it so that the stick is resting right on the centre of the plate. Now, you can probably imagine that. Think of it as a table with one leg. That's an even better way of doing it. Okay, we've got this table with one leg right in the centre of the round table. Okay, round table, one leg. Not a good design for a piece of furniture, but great as an example of a human being. You're all a one-legged table. And I'll tell you why you are a one-legged table. One-legged tables have got lots of emotions on the south. And it makes the south of the table really heavy. So it starts to lean that way. It starts to tip like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. This one-legged table is in great danger of collapsing. And if enough weight is placed there, it will become severely unbalanced and it will fall over, just like a human being. So, too much weight in the South. What we're going to do? We're going to have to take some of that weight off, and we need to put maybe some more weight in the North to balance it so we get that person to think. We do a bucket job with their feelings. It's like there's this great well of water there. We dip our bucket in and we get them to tip it out. So they're bailing out their feelings. They're starting to have their feelings. They're starting to deal with their feelings and the south becomes lighter. And at the same time, they're starting to think. So the north starts to come down and it gets a little bit heavier and they get a little bit more balanced as a person. And then the table doesn't fall over. This is wonderful. Okay, so you've got this one-legged table, and they've just about managed to balance the south and the north. Huh, thank God for that. Okay. But there's another direction. There's the east and the west, the other axis. They start to get uh, more confident in the world. They've they've dealt with their feelings and their thinking more, so they're getting really confident and they go out and they get a good job and they earn lots of money and they get five cars and 63 televisions and a hi-fi in every cupboard and the West starts to tip because they're getting so, so heavy in the West. Whoa, all that money in the bank, all that possessions in the cupboard, all that mower in the garden all that holidays in the sun the west gets really heavy and the east tips up and if they're not careful that table's going to fall over in a different direction so they realize maybe that their life isn't working terribly well and it's not very comfortable and they don't feel very stable and it's all starting to get scary so they go and work in the east and maybe they go and do yoga or they do something creative or they go and listen to a podcast about medicine will or something like that and they start to balance it. Trouble is, maybe they balance it too much, man. Maybe they really go with those colours, man. Hey, just chill, man. Everything's really cool. Oh, I had a letter from the bank manager yesterday, man. I just kind of chilled i just put it on my altar you know <laughs> right you can see where i'm getting to it's the space cadets place it's the place of again they're so spiritual they're no earthly good all right that's the east starting to tip down you need to get them in the garden actually i better not say that i hate gardening um you need to go and get them to tidy up the house or wash up or you know stuff like that physical stuff and that starts to balance this one-legged table so that it becomes a little bit more stable. Trouble is, we do that a million times a day. This poor table is rocking this way and that way and we're spending all our energy and most of our time straightening the bloody table and stopping it falling down. We live our life at the edge of the round table going round it and round it and round it adjusting it here adjusting it there it takes an awful lot of energy it really really takes a lot of energy and that's how we live our life we all have dramas we all have problems we entertain ourselves for hours talking about them to ourselves mostly but to other people too if the poor sods will stay still long enough We live our life on the edge of the table and it takes so much energy to stop it falling down and tipping and rocking. And then gradually, with luck, you find a good spiritual system and you start to deal with the stuff around the edge of your life. Spiritual system, not religious system. Difference. Spirituality is for people who are not religious. Religion is for people who are not spiritual. My all-time favourite quote, and forgive me if I've said this before in another podcast, is from Carl Jung, the psychologist. Religion is a device designed to inhibit religious experiences. How true he was. You get yourself a good spiritual system, and then gradually... You start to deal with the stuff that is round the edge of your table and you start to spiral in, moving in. And, of course, if you can imagine that table, the closer the weight gets to the centre of that table, the less there is of a danger that it's going to fall over. If you put a 1,000 tonnes right on top of the leg of that table, right in the very centre, it would stay there, solid, You put three ounces on the edge of the table and the bloody thing falls over. So gradually, any spiritual system worth its weight in salt or worth its weight in pizza moves you to the center. It gets you in touch with your soul. It gets you in touch with your essence. You become centered. You become in your grounded, solid place, in touch with the very vital being that you are. You're not a man, you're not a woman, you're not a hermaphrodite, you are not your feelings, you are not your thoughts, you are not your body, you are not your spiritual and sexual experiences and orientation and everything else. You are your soul, and that is in the centre of the wheel. Any spiritual system aims to take you to that point of enlightenment, because when you're in your soul essence, you're in connection with everything else. So gradually, you move yourself more and more in touch with your soul place in the centre and you then no longer have to expend lots and lots of energy stopping your table falling over. So you have all that surplus energy. You can do amazing things. I, I like that as a metaphor, as an image. Because it, to me, it really works. People do live their life on the edge. We talk about living life on the edge. Just listen to our language. It's full of metaphors. We live our life on the edge and our life is rocky. Our table's rocky because we're going around the edge of it all the time. Then we get centered and we become more stable. That's how it is. That's how it is. Any spiritual practice is like that. I worked with a Tibetan Rinpoche. And uh, he was telling a story about how people who were working with him wanted to take an empowerment into a particular wrathful practice. Now, in Tibetan Buddhism, you have to be initiated into the different sort of, you know, you, 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 if you're familiar with Tibetan Buddhism, you know, there are kind of loads and loads of quote unquote gods and goddesses um i'm not going to go into what they are you know kind of exploring them and explaining them but if you th- if you you know you've seen all the statues and the paintings and stuff like that this was a practice a set of spiritual teachings to do with one particular wrathful kind of monstery type creature um people were thinking it would be really cool to have this empowerment so they could work with it and learn the mantras and learn the ceremonies and everything else so he said to them okay fine this was in uh, this was in aspen I think in Colorado, somewhere in Colorado. And it was cold. It was middle winter. He said, fine, I'll give you this empowerment. If you go outside and you break the ice on the outdoor swimming pool and you swim two in the morning, very cold outside, lots of snow, lots of ice, you can do that. I'll give you the empowerment. And they all said, no, get lost. No way. So he said, well, I'm not going to give you the empowerment. And they said, why not? And he said, well, you go out. And you swim in that pool and come back and I'll empower you. They wouldn't do it. And then he said, okay, you're wanting me to give you this empowerment. Now, any spiritual system can be seen like this. Your life is like a chessboard. And any spiritual system gradually picks up one side of the chessboard and lifts it up in the air. So the chessboard is no longer flat. And all the pawns and the bishops and the queens and the rooks start to slide because that's what happens when things aren't flat. And you see them slide, but they slide slowly and gently and you have time to think, well, I don't need that one. I'll let it slide. Oh, that one I do need. I'll do something to fix it down to the ground. That's life. That's spirituality. That's fine if that happens nice and slow. He said, I'm not going to give you this empowerment because you won't even go out and swim in this cold water. Because if I give you this empowerment, it's not a case of somebody picking up your chessboard gently and a little bit higher and a little bit higher and a little bit higher. This is a case of somebody picking up your chessboard on one side and yanking it up upright. And all of your pieces are going to fall out and fall all over the floor and you won't even go out and swim in a cold pool. That's how he explained it. And uh, it's true. Our spiritual systems do tip the chessboard of our life up. And things do start to slide. And there are things that will come in and blast you. And yes, some people go for that. The short way, the shock way. And your pieces of your life will fall everywhere. But you've got to be a really special person to want to do that. (laughs) Or you've got to be bloody mad. One of the two. Me, I think it's better to go a little bit slower and see which bits you want to let slide and which bits you want to fix down. So any spiritual system, whatever it is, is going to give you those things. It's going to alter your life. If you work with the medicine wheel, it's going to alter your life. If you work with shamanism, it's going to alter your life. You get in touch with your feelings. You start to be honest with yourself about who you are and you start to be honest with people around you about who you are, it's going to change your relationship with them. It's not necessarily going to be comfortable. People don't like dough creeping out from underneath the gingerbread cutter. But if you're worth your salt, you'll say sod that for a game of soldiers because you'll want to be bigger than the gingerbread cutter shape that you are in at the moment. And it's worth the risk. And I've talked enough. (laughs) Next time, I will talk about what you do with this ear Medicine Wheel thing. And uh, and then probably the time after that, I will teach the non-cardinal directions of southwest, southeast, northwest, northeast. And how they relate. Thank you very much, all of you who have contacted me. I really appreciate it. Love to get emails. Thanks. Nick at sacredhoop.org. And uh, if you want to visit the website for this, threeworlds.co.uk, number three, worlds.co.uk. Go to the website. That's my gallery website for my antiques and things that I sell, all the sort of ritual objects and things. The magazine, Sacred Hoop magazine uh plug for the magazine sacred hoop is considered by a lot of people and i'm not boasting here because this is honestly their words they consider it to be the best shamanic magazine in the world and i'm very touched by that and i've heard it from numerous people some of whom i have a great deal of respect for so i'm very very pleased with that and we do try to be we're published quarterly we've been published since 1993 we feature all sorts of shamanic traditions sacredhoop.org and if you have a mind to support the podcast that i'm doing and genuinely support these teachings and things going out into the world could i ask that you maybe consider subscribing to us okay thanks for listening i do appreciate it and uh, i'll be around doing the next one in the next little while Thanks. Bye.